literally my day to day. It's not just a, you know, on his anniversary or on his birthday. It's almost daily, those pauses of, okay, you need to focus in this direction. And I know that you're starting from a deficit, but through therapy, through talking, through connecting, through that love and always letting my heart be the thing that that guides me and what needs to come next, I think that's really served me well. Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots we make in order to keep moving forward. As I evolve and expand as a person and a podcast host, I have learned that creating a safe space is nearly impossible. I don't know what topics or stories may trigger my listeners, but I hold space with love and intention and honor the bravery that it takes not only to share, but to listen to the stories of others. So I thank you so much for being here. I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging that I am recording from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Interior Salish people, in particular, the Sinaiaxt, on whose territory I work and live. Lauren is a heart-forward, grounded, wise, and incredibly empathetic woman. She's a wife and a mom, working for a large corporate company, and is very intentional about the division and allocation of her time and energy. Lauren's dad died tragically in a car accident when she was 10 years old. This extreme life pivot is one that Lauren can see so clearly now how it plays into her every day. In this conversation, we hear about how suppressing her tears and emotions to look after and take care of others has played out throughout her life and her relationships. Lauren shares some insights on how this huge loss has offered her perspectives on understanding our foundations and how this has been such a teacher in her role as a wife and mom. We jump into the story today as Lauren is telling us about her biggest loss. So offering up a content warning that that's where we jump in today. I would say one of my biggest life pivots came when I lost my dad at the age of 10, very suddenly uh, in a car accident. And although at the time I didn't realize how it would impact, influence, inform not just my childhood, but growing up and and how I show up in the world as an adult. Mm. And so I think... At, at that critical moment at the age of 10, where this person is truly your everything. We, we were thick as thieves, definitely a daddy's girl. And that sudden loss, that sort of rug being pulled out from underneath me was at the time, something that I was only able to really grasp as the 10 year old that I was. Mm -hmm. And so in that particular moment in time, I, as an only child and as an only child of a parent who obvious for obvious reasons, really struggled with the loss in that moment, I recognized that I really needed to step up in a way that was sort of outside of my, my quote unquote role as a 10 year old. Mm -hmm. And, and suddenly I had more of a parental role. I, you know, refrained from tears or breaking down in front of certain people in my life to ensure that they were safe and taken care of and and their needs were top of mind before my own. And 
as you can probably imagine, the the impact of that is just those tentacles just reach and dig so far into the recesses of life growing up and and being a now 38-year-old with an amazing husband and a six-year-old daughter and and all of the the influence that that moment has really served. Mm. The parentification thing that you just mentioned Mm. is so big, like so big, it goes so deep. And I think it's been a a word that has come into my vocabulary over the last couple of years as I navigate my own life and, you know, even as an educator, just kind of help understand my students and those around me more deeply. Mm -hmm. That is massive. And I also understand that the suppression of your emotions and your needs does move with you for the rest of your life. And it brings up a lot as you navigate your own life. So can you maybe share a little bit about how that has shown up in the relationships as you've grown up and worked through life? Yeah, such a great question. I think the biggest aha moment that I had was you know, being in university and a dear friend of mine had lost her mom. And in that moment, I was taken right back to, you know, the feels that that came about when, you know, I lost my dad and just the ability to approach a grieving friend. Mm-hmm. And although our situations were vastly different, you know, the loss of a mom in, your early 20s versus a very sudden loss of a parent at the age of 10. Although on the face, they seemed very different. Just the loss, the sudden loss of someone that significant in your world gave me this superpower that I was able to apply to that particular situation. And the ability to just sit in that shitty situation and sit with that person that needed someone just to say, not it's going to be okay, not everything happens for a reason, not this wasn't your fault, we need to move on from this. Just, it sucks so much. This is so hard. Um, It's going to hurt for a long time, but I want you to know that I'm here. And just having that ability to tap into your own experience, to share it with somebody else was incredible. I think later I through through a lot of therapy have realized that our ability to and this is something that very cognizant of with a 6-year-old daughter mm-hmm. is our ability to be candid, transparent, try something new, put our hand up when we don't necessarily know the entire answer all of those those abilities to kind of step out of our comfort zone come so much easier for individuals who have had that safe solid foundation growing up and i've done a ton of work on okay those pieces were not a part of my foundation growing up because there was so much you know out of my control that my ability to sit down and paint a picture for the very first time and it's not perfect and that's okay. Or not to have my house perfectly in order and be able to be present with my family when the floors are dirty. Those are things that I'm working on because of that foundational piece that was a little bit rocky growing up and being mindful of that so that I'm able to be there and be present 
and support my daughter, knowing that the person that she's going to be in 20, 30 years, it gives me chills just thinking about it, that she knows that all the foundational pieces are in alignment and she can step out and be the best version of herself because she knows there's stability, there's love, there's compassion and care. And I think when you come from a place that's a little bit rocky off the hop, really stepping into those moments and being comfortable with being uncomfortable is extra difficult, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. There's that control aspect of it too, right? If you're constantly striving for the perfectionism everywhere in your life, Mm. that's that that need for control. But it's also because of the rockiness. It's like, no, I need things to be in order (laughs) and in control. I need to be in control of it so that it doesn't go sideways. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. You also mentioned something about having lost your dad and then now your friend in university has lost her mom. Mm. I'm actually in a bereavement basics and grief course right now. And Mm. it's so interesting because the more I learn about grief and mourning and how this actually transpires and, and that there are not official stages that are linear and that you go from one to the next to the next. And so interesting how they show up for different people and how the the journey does differ. But okay. something that I really took away even from the, the course last night was as someone who is the support is being able to witness these people. You're walking with them, you're sitting with them and you're validating how they're feeling. So when you were talking mm-hmm. about how that's basically what you were doing for your friend, what an incredible thing to offer. What a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing that's so fascinating about grief and loss, and first of all, wouldn't it be lovely to know that there isn't a step-by-step process, like, you know, letting us in on the fact that like all of these feelings and thoughts and realizations are so fluid in those moments, depending on the individual, depending on the type of loss. Mm -hmm. But I think a huge component too is this multifaceted, like I was saying before, lens that you look through life with. Mm. So when I first lost my dad at 10, the only lens I could look through in that moment was a daughter who Mm. lost a parent. Mm -hmm. And through navigating life at the time, it was just, that was a part of who I was. I was the girl that didn't have a dad. And as I got older, And, you know, I met my partner in university and he and I dated through uh, all of university and and got married in our mid-20s. Then suddenly when I'm, you know, with my new best friend and my partner in crime, I'm now looking through those lenses thinking, holy shit, imagine if I lost him. Mm -hmm. Like now I have this different lens to apply to this relationship of, wow, imagine what perhaps my mom was feeling or thinking about or experiencing with the loss of a partner. Mm-hmm. And then you you layer on you know, the, the component of having a child. And not only am I looking at that beautiful human thinking, my gosh, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to experience loss at that age for a child. But oh my God, I want to do everything in my power to be here and strong and healthy for her so that she never has to navigate a childhood without a parent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And those lenses just, they click into focus depending on where you are in your particular stage in life. So talk about the fluidity of 
grief and loss. And yes, you know, as a a 38 year old, yes, I've been without my dad for 28 years, but at the same time, I'm far away from the initial shock of what had taken place. But now it's just so much of my everyday of those moments of pause where you think, man, I wish you were here Mm. or man, I wish you were here to meet my partner or, you know, see his face and his granddaughter because they're so much alike. Like all of those moments that I wouldn't even imagine would mm-hmm. would sit with me as a 10-year-old. Here we are talking about the biggest pivot in my life. And it was something that happened 28 years ago. Like that's mm-hmm. a powerful thing. Right. So yeah, it's it's incredible that it's not a checking of the box. You've grieved, you've processed, we can move on. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the beauty in experiencing loss, going through it, living with it, really tapping into any sort of supports you have around you, therapy, and really digging into the nuance of how that's manifested in your life is you can almost get curious about it Mm -hmm. versus trying to put it in a closet and and button it up because it hurts too much. Mm -hmm. Now you can really honor it and pay attention to it and see how it manifests in your life on a truly a daily, a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great point. Great point. I love the curiosity aspect of it too. Mm -hmm. And even something that I'd learned last night that made so much sense to me was that grief itself is internal. It's the they called it the constellation of emotions that one would experience Mm -hmm. internally and try and process. Whereas mourning is the external release. Mm. But I I actually, I wanted to come back to the perfectionism part because now I'm starting to wonder about how that foundation throughout your life, Mm. you'd have to, you'd have to work through it. You'd have to kind of break certain parts of it off. You'd have to rebuild other parts of that foundation. Yeah. So my question about the perfectionism part is how did the loss of your dad and being thrown into immediately basically into that parental style role yeah how did that inform some of the decisions that you made moving into adulthood whether it was in education or even in relationships location anything like that Mm -hmm. when it comes to experiencing loss and and obviously I don't want to make the sweeping generalization this is definitely what I've come to to know for myself and be true is the idea of how that particular experience has motivated me to be the best version Mm. of myself for my husband, for my daughter. It's the motivation to turn off my alarm at five o'clock each morning and get a workout in because it's going to make me a better version of myself so I can show up for my family in a positive way. It's my ability to never leave something unsaid because you truly never know if that's the last time Mm. or my ability to speak up and ask for clarification or let someone know I love them. It's just for me that that loss truly manifests itself in the good, the bad, and the ugly mm. when it comes to the everyday. The good for me is just those those motivators that when someone says, you know, why do you work out at the time that you do? And as dark and twisty as it is to say, it's because there's someone in my life that I'm sure would love to do it if 
they were here and had the ability to, mm-hmm. um, the dark is, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at the dining room table with my husband and my daughter. And I, I look over and see some things out of place. And all I want to do is get up and, and fix that thing because it's, it's allowing me that control. It's allowing me that clarity and that box check, mm-hmm. but realizing that the moment in question is far more important than how clean my floors are or how clear my countertop is. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a reminder that I give myself almost every single day of, no, no, that doesn't need to be done now. What needs to be done is to spend that time and be present and in the moment. And because that foundation was so turbulent and up in question as I was growing up, I'm truly in a place now where I can feel myself moving to that darker side of the coin and I have to actually mindfully snap myself out of it of like, no, no, that doesn't need to be done now. You need to be here, be here. And I know that it's uncomfortable, but you've got to be here. And I think that for me is kind of how it's manifested in the good, the bad and the ugly in literally my day to day. It's not just a, you know, on his anniversary or on his birthday, it's almost daily, those pauses of, okay, you need to focus in this direction. And I know that you're starting from a deficit, but through therapy, through talking, through connecting, through that love and always letting my heart be the thing that, that guides me and what needs to come next. I think that's really served me well. Mm-hmm. Right. Like your lens yeah. of compassion and self-compassion, not just for the world around you, but for yourself in that space would be so important. But I think that you're right. Catching yourself in those moments and having to snap out of it or snap into it in that case. Right. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a constant practice. It really is. And my God, what would we do without therapy? Like, honestly, <laughs> I, I remember my, one of my first couple of sessions that I went to and you know, I was dealing with a lot of heavy family stuff at the time. And my therapist, you know, at, at one point during the session stopped me and said, like, we haven't talked about your husband and your daughter, like your daughter's a year old, like how the hell are things going? Mm. And I said, honestly, things are so fantastic. I'm, I feel so lucky. And I've, you know, she's such an easy baby. And I just, I feel like I've hit the jackpot. And my therapist looked at me and with a smile on her face, like the most compassionate, like, oh, honey, oh, honey, uh, (laughs) smile on her face. She said, girl, you've been practicing how to be a mom since you were 10. This wasn't accidental. Mm -hmm. This wasn't happenstance. This wasn't luck. You've been practicing for a long ass time Mm -hmm. on how to show up, how to be present, how to be nurturing, how to be caring. And all of the lessons that you've taken from a loss that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, you have used that to cultivate this beautiful family. Mm. So stop referring to it as chance and luck and really pay tribute to your dad who helped pave this way and really pay tribute to the work that you've done to bring it to life. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit, that was a TSN turning point. I, <laughs> it was just, it blew my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. Um, but it's so incredible how you need to have those moments where someone just kind of pulls you out of it mm. and lets you 
you look at a particular situation from, you know, the, the 10,000 foot view rather than being on the ground, mm-hmm. you know? We love this therapist. We love this therapist. Yeah. I've been with her now for, oh my goodness, probably five years, six mm-hmm. years at this point. And like, what a wonderful, mm-hmm. what a wonderful human being. And yeah. just the selflessness to be able to show up for someone and yeah, you hand them that messy ball of yarn and they hand it back to you all wrapped up with a little bow mm-hmm. and some knitting needles. I mean, I'm not a knitter, but I just, that's the, that's the like view I see is like when you go into therapy with this tangled mess of emotion and feeling beautiful mess mm. of emotion and feeling and overwhelm and they just hug you and and put it in a nice little ball and mm-hmm. hand you the needles to make that next beautiful sweater and let you know that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. What a gift. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a question about when you're feeling super dysregulated, how do you help regulate your emotions, any energy that feels off in your body? What are some personal practices that you have? Really centering myself through my physical state is a big one. Um, being able to move my body. If that's a morning workout, I love, 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 you know, lifting heavy and kettlebells and getting on a bike and biking hard and doing sprints. Um, that really helps clear my mind, set the tone for the day and also gives my husband and I some time in the morning, just the two of us Mm -hmm. every single day. It's built in 5am. We're in our basement gym, getting after it together. And we'll either talk about the day before, talk about what's coming down the pike for us, or just cheer each other on. So that's a big one to kind of center me. Mm -hmm. Another big one too, is just that again, connecting with my physical self is going for walks midday. I mean, I'm on calls a ton. I'm on video conferencing a ton. I work in the culture and event space at my company. So it's just, it's a lot of pouring out Mm -hmm. and just taking that time and that quiet for myself is a a big one and and walking and just that one foot in front of the other is a, is a big help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And meditation, meditation's a big one. Even just to sit down in the morning with a cup of coffee and have that beautiful smell next to you and like close your eyes. And even if it's for a couple minutes, just Mm -hmm. to take it all in and be grateful and know that your body is a beautiful thing and that you're able to navigate the world in a place where you're safe. And we're just, we're very fortunate. I Mm -hmm. think I just, that reminder is a big one and reflecting on loss as dark and twisty as it is to say, Mm -hmm. just the fact that I'm here is a big one and reminding myself how far I've come and taking that time to turn around and look at the path that I've walked and, and all of the beautiful things along the way, just that reminder helps a lot when, when it feels a little bit too heavy. Mm -hmm. When do you feel most connected to your dad? Interestingly enough with my family with my husband and my daughter who have never met him, mm. the love and support and the the vibe when you were, you know, if you were able to witness seeing my mom, my dad and I as a family unit back in the day, I feel like we would probably look and sound a lot like my current 
life, my, my family. I've just, I've, I've been a part of building this incredible, supportive, loving, caring family unit. And I just, I feel so connected and inspired when I'm around the two of them. I also feel it. I'm so fortunate. I still have both sets of both grandparents in my life. Mm. And being able to sit down and talk about my dad with my grandparents Mm -hmm. and looking at my 94 and 91-year-old grandparents and hearing them tell stories and so proud of the son that they had, that connection is like no other. And, And obviously, you know, at 94 and 91, it's not a tragedy to to lose someone that's lived such a beautiful and full life but that that connection to dad will definitely be one of the biggest things that I miss about mm-hmm. that incredible relationship that I have with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Lauren, <laughs> I love talking to you. Oh. <laughs> I have my three safe haven style questions. You ready? I'm so ready. What are you most proud of? I am most proud of my ability to reflect, be in the moment, and find perspective Mm. in any situation. What would you like to be known for? I want to be known for the way I make someone feel. Mm. I don't need to, (laughs) although it would be cool to write a book. It would be cool to cure cancer. The impact would be incredible. I, at the end of the day, want anyone that interacts with me to feel that they've been heard, that they're cared about, and that I'm always here to support them in their badass journey. And if you had a message for everyone listening, what would it be? The thing that has helped me in many, many, many situations comes from the great Jocko Willink. And Jocko Willink is an ex-Navy SEAL. He looks like a G.I. Joe action figure. (laughs) He trains UFC fighters. He works with businesses and applies all of the learnings that he had as a Navy SEAL in Ramadi to life and business. And he lives his life surrounded by one word. And the word is good. No matter the situation, you didn't get the promotion. Good. You have the opportunity to work harder and prove that you're eligible the next go around. Didn't get budget for the work that you're proposing. Good. Now you can go back to the drawing board and figure out a different way of doing it. And I feel like professionally and personally, and I'm instilling it, and my husband and I are instilling this in our daughter, is, you know, those difficult situations, there is always the opportunity to go back, work harder, or flip that coin and see the difference in perspective on the other side. And it's not always bad. It can be good. Mm -hmm. I have loved this conversation. Lauren, thank you so (laughs) much for being a guest on The Safe Haven. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fantastic. And I feel like this is the start of something fabulous. Oh, it is. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. 
Lauren, this was so great. I appreciate you so much. And I also love that this was recorded months ago and we're still in touch and talk often. So sending you so much love. Thanks again for offering up your time, your stories, your perspectives and insights to the safe haven, to my listeners and I. Oh, I appreciate you. And we will be connecting oh so soon. To everyone listening, thank you so much for being here. I recognize the privilege that comes with this platform and I'm committed to creating a brave and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to your friends, and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us at the Safe Haven Podcast so we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that really helps this podcast grow. I really appreciate you being here and I will talk to you next week.